Welcome to the Inner Huddle, a youth football development podcast for parents, coaches, and managers of young aspiring footballers. Your hosts from Pezza Street Soccer are Pez and Jeff. Good afternoon. This is the Sports Lunch with Pez and Jeff. We have Donna on the controls. Hi, Donna. All right. Good morning, my lovelies. And of course, it wouldn't be the Pez and Jeff show. Without Jeff, how are you doing, Jeff? It'd be a better show, I expect. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, no comment, mate, no comment. It is the first Tuesday of the month, so that means it is the Inner Huddle Show. So it just leads me to say, welcome to our second The Inner Huddle Show, a show dedicated to youth football development or to our fans and our listeners further afield in America and Australia of which there's been some, Jeff, on the podcast, but we'll get onto that too. We'll call it soccer development. How do current listeners listen to our last podcast? It is available on iTunes and on Podbean. So if you just type in the inner huddle, or my name, Perry Cocking, it should come up, and you should be able to listen to it straight away. Dead easy. And it has been more popular than I ever imagined, with at least two or three listeners in Australia so far. Wow. Unbelievable. All over the world. All over the world, mate. All over the world. Right. So, Jeffrey. Pez up. Shall we talk, first of all, futsal? Yes. We had a big event on uh, Sunday, didn't we? Yeah, massive FA Cup game against Pro Futsal London's development team. And delighted to say we won 15-5. And for those listeners that won't be aware, what, who is we? What is the team? FC Salisbury United Futsal Club, men's futsal team that competes in the National Super League and this was the first round of the FA Futsal Cup. And a lot of effort went into making it a bit more than just any game of futsal, didn't it? Yeah, a massive thanks to you, our chairman, and oh, thank you, Jeffrey. Eggy, our vice chairman, and all the other people that are a massive part of our committee and the supporters that turned up in their hundreds, literally, 442 yep. we, we had in the sports hall watching top-level futsal. Absolutely amazing if you think about it. Atmosphere it, was unreal. Three weeks it took us from when it was muted. Oh, let's just go a quid for kids and try and fill the place. And it just gathered momentum, didn't it? With people bringing different things to the table and different ideas. And in three weeks we managed to get what we believe is a domestic record crowd of 442. Yes. Certainly a record for an FA Cup futsal match. Yeah, so if you don't in- include university futsal games which is like your two big Nottingham universities playing each other where they get all the students in and have nearly a thousand people watch that game as will be a record so you're happy with the day delighted yeah we had flags we had mascots we had cheerleaders we had a dj we had face painting we had a tom folan who's a world famous freestyler uh anything else (laughs) <laughs> just had a brand new drum a brand new drum an air horn we, yeah we had the works didn't we and, yeah uh, flags for each nationality of the players that play in our team so there's Portuguese uh, Northern Ireland International Brazilian in Bruno and then obviously yeah. all the English players it was it was and fantastic every time one of them scored a goal like, he had to go through the flags and get their respective yeah. nationality out and give it a good wave it was um, no it was, a, it was a special day but more importantly the impact and the knock on effect that it will have I think it's the most important thing. So other teams in the league will look at that and go, wow, if they're doing it. We've already been contacted, haven't we, by other clubs to say, what is your model? How have you managed to get yeah. that many people in to your stadium, if we call it a stadium yeah. or venue? Uh, and what's your model and how, how have you done it? So they're going to try and 
hopefully beat it. And yeah, I do say hopefully beat it. I hope people do beat that and then we'll strive to beat them. And, you know, I've already seen that someone's got a mascot now, so we're going to have to get a mascot and, you know, like a furry <laughs> suit mascot. I mean, London mascots. City, who are the holders of the FA Cup, had a big bear in their shirt. Yeah. Um, and Cambridge have a big moose, I think it was. So there's two clubs that have a mascot. So we are, and it's, we've, got, we've got to catch up now. It's more importantly than furry mascots is getting the youth sections and the children involved, which Definitely. we've done brilliantly at. And I think that's what other um, Super League yeah. teams are going to look at. And the ones that haven't got youth sections are going to actually create them on the back of this because um, it's the way forward. And the ones that already do have them uh, try to get them more involved as mascots like we do. Yeah, a huge effect on the whole nation, really. And I know London City have tried to go toe-to-toe with us this weekend, and they had yeah. over 300, which would have been a record had we yeah, not got over ama- 400. Yeah, amazing, which... though. Both going yeah. pushing each other on the same day. So Exactly that. And it, the, in futsal, there's a bit more friendly rivalry in, in that respect, yeah. I think. We all want yeah. to push each other on and help grow the game. We've got a bit of a responsibility to grow the game, haven't we, to children as much as anything else, because it is a great game. And the reason we talk about it is we believe it is the best youth development tool the single best thing you can do yeah i can (laughs) agree more but i I just think if instead of playing grassroots football if a full grassroots team in this country at least half their season was futsal i think technically the standard in this country of young kids would it would go through the roof it would double and triple and quadruple and then eventually at the top end you'd see technically good england football teams exactly that could um, perform just that little bit better in the tournaments, which happens every four years, and we complain that we haven't got technically good enough English football players and sat the manager and go around in the same cycle usually. I have seen it filtering down a little bit. If you look on social media, there's been a few local organisations and clubs that are sort of dabbling in futsal, which is great. I'm delighted. But what I would say is, if you are going to dabble in futsal and say you're doing futsal, then do it properly. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, this was. I went to the futsal conference a couple of weeks ago at St George's Park, and the message from the England manager was, "If we're doing futsal, do it properly. Play to lines, play with a futsal ball. It's five v five. It's not six v six. It's not a seven v seven variation." The amount of times I've seen Jeffrey pictures on social media going up, going futsal night tonight, and they're using a normal ball. Yeah, off the walls. And they're just um, doing normal six aside, English like, five aside, yeah, aren't it's they? Not, it's not futsal. Is not indoor football. No. Just because you're playing indoor is not futsal. But delighted that people are starting to think, this is cool, we need to do it, or need to be seen to do it to keep up. Yeah. Great, but do it properly. And to be honest, if you're saying you're doing it and you're showing an interest, and if you haven't been to watch Salisbury United, your local Super League team, to be honest, it's a bit of a disgrace. Get yourself there, watch it, ask questions, learn how you can use it as a youth development tool, and go back to your clubs or your organisations and crack on with it. And do it properly. Do it properly. Let's grow the game. Yeah. Okay, so now we've discussed all things futsal and banged on about it quite a bit, haven't we, Jeff? So what we have decided to do is we're going to try and do a futsal special show, aren't we? We had a little chat during the week. So we'll do one show as an extra add-on to the inner huddle, which will just be a futsal special. So it'll be right from grassroots futsal all the way up to the Super League, the history, the structure, the rules... Um, and then maybe some of these people we've previously talked about could listen in, learn something and, you know, help grow the game, make an impact. And everyone's happy. Agreed. Agreed. Right. We need to crack on with some of these questions. So welcome along to the Inner Huddle, our second show, also available on podcast. We don't really need to go into the intro of who we are again, do we, Jeff? But, no, let's get but into these questions. Basically, 
these questions are sent in um, from all different people, from all different backgrounds, either directly to the show or to us personally. And we're just going to answer them and have been answering them based on our 20 plus years of experience from grassroots to Premier League coaching. Um, and it is our opinions, isn't it, Jeff? Nothing more, just our opinions. Just our opinions. Yeah. Some of them are bound to be right, Jeffrey. Some of them are bound to be wrong. But it's um, it's our opinion and it's not necessarily the opinion of any organisation or club that we might be associated, linked with or worked for. It doesn't mean it's the only way to do things. No. It's just the way we do it. In fact, to be honest, if you don't believe in a way of doing it, you're not likely to get the best out of it anyway. Do you know what I mean, Jeff? Yeah. So I can't do sort of FA stop stand still style coaching because I don't believe in it, which is why I've turned down a few jobs in my time because just thought I'm not going to get the best out of the kids because if I don't believe in it, they're not going to believe in me. One of the questions later on relates to that. So. Right. Well, we have got Jeffrey, fifteen questions, and I had two come in this morning as well. So we are not going to get through them all, especially at the rate we're going. No. So should we crack on with question number one? And do you want to be the first reader? Yeah. Um, question number one, do you agree with what Gareth Southgate said? For me, taking a seven, eight-year-old into an academy is too young. The dream is there, but it's impossible at that age for anyone to know what's going to happen. If not, why? Great question. Yeah. And it was sent in for the last show and we had to roll it over. And it is a very difficult one, especially as we're involved in professional football. This has all sort of come on the back of the um, documentary um, no Hunger in Paradise that came out, so it's a hot yeah. topic at the moment, isn't it? That interview, he was sat at St George's Park in the futsal hall, actually. I remember it. Wow. Ah, right, OK. And the next question coming up is very similar. Um, in basic terms, seven and eight-year-old into academy, too young? Possibly. But, like anything else, it's all about how it is managed, do you think, Jeff? The yeah. expectations are managed by the club, the parent... Um, and the child themselves. Um, there's a lot of people saying, oh, statistically, kids aren't going to make it. It's 0.001%, which is true. So that's a lot of heartache and gutted kids over the years. But it's about how you manage that. And more and more, everything, it becomes about the whole person now, rather than just coaching technical yeah. and tactical stuff. So really, academies should be looking after every part of a a child's development, not just whether they're going to be technically and tactically good enough to play in the Premier League one day. Yeah, It's about more than that. It should be about life after football if, if they don't make it and even if they do make it. I used to be very anti it, as you know. But when the club we work for, Southampton Football Club, approached us and asked us to get involved, uh, we went to goodness knows how many meetings there. And we were so impressed with them, weren't we? Yeah. With how they're trying to change how things have been done in the past, and they, they base things on the, the four-corner model. Yeah. Um, which is, Jeffrey? what are the FA four corners? <laughs> Put uh, you on the spot. Psychological, yeah. social, tactical and technical, and um, physical. Yes. So they get um, assessed on all those um, four corners. They have regular reviews each week. They play multi-sports. They make um, sure everything's fun. They have festivals. And it's a completely different environment than possibly what it used to be. Yeah. Um, still, people will be saying, seven, eight's too young, let them be kids and all that. Well, I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're trying to implement in academies, the better ones anyway, yeah. in my opinion. What I love is I found out the other day that they do multi-sports. They have a, yeah. an evening there where they play 
total other sports. They had netball the other day, Brilliant. and they do it properly. So they had a netball coach come in and teach yeah. them netball, and um, really trying to get away from this image of churning through kids and breaking hearts, which inevitably will happen as time goes on. Um, but I think a lot of responsibility needs to go to the kids and the parents as well about managing their expectations. Um, managing what you put on social media you know the more you build it up the bigger the drop and the other thing I always think is what is the alternative you know at, at that age is that child going to be better off staying at his grassroots team where he's probably got terrible facilities pitches are not particularly good get loads of matches called off in the year or is he going to be better off or she going into a professional environment with professional coaches and getting regular games and as long as everything's managed well I think they're better off depending on the child yeah and and the grassroots club and lots of things because there are some exceptions and yeah i mean all uh, all children are different this is the great thing about coaching and the problem with coaches um i find is that we're all trying to look for some sort of formula magic formula magic model that you can follow for each kid and you will get them out the other end as the perfect blueprint yeah the blueprint and they can't be one and it's the same for this so for one seven or eight year old at an academy it will be too young And for another one, it won't. He'll thrive in that environment, which is why they have regular reviews um, and open meetings with the parents and private ones with the players too. But, you know, it's all about if you get offered that opportunity, then you have to look into it and sort of make your own decisions. So there's not a yes or no to that answer? No, unfortunately, like a lot of things, there there isn't a a right or wrong answer to it. Um, And it will depend on the child, the club, the age, etc., etc., Happy with that? Yep. Okay. Right. Question number two, which is very similar. So we're just going to repeat the same sort of stuff, I think. But are we selling kids the dream at such a young age that for 99.7% of them is an impossible dream? I don't think the parents are made well aware of the pitfalls and also how to deal with a teenage kid when released. It's world ending for some thoughts. I mean, I've written similar notes to what we've just had. Again, managing expectations and clear guidelines for, for parents and children. I I would say that the education programme at these places, these academies, is so much better than it used to be. I think kids can go in now to an academy and they'll come out, very least, better human beings than when they went in. And that's what they're big on at our club, isn't it? Yeah. And it should never be a shock. I mean, I spoke to someone at Saints about this and they said it should never be a shock that you're getting released. You have all these reviews. You're, you know, you're told what to work on. Um, and if you are going to get released, there is an exit strategy. So you'll have a meeting. And they have access, this is for older children when they, you know, get released at 16, 17 or whatever it might be. They have their access to psychologists and the experts. They have trial matches to get other clubs. And they're allowed to continue training with the club after being released. But going back to selling the dream, it's a very fine line. Because say you've got a kid who goes to a development centre like ours, who's, what, eight years old? Yeah. And then he's he's also training at Chelsea Development Centre, Bournemouth Development Centre and somewhere else. Um, and he's got the choice of where he's going to sign, that's when they try not sell the dream, but sell the club. Yeah. And then that's a fine line. Some would see that as selling the dream. So you might say, well, if you come to Saints, following the footsteps of Bale, Adam Lallana, et cetera, et cetera, because they want them to go to that club. So they're showing them good examples, aren't they? But they are very clear to make out the road is long and rocky and unlikely. Before you even start in the development centre, you're told this aren't you that yeah how difficult it is and and the challenges you're going to face and that's why i think it's so 
impressive when someone has gone on and made it in football because they would have been told no and they would have had rejection however many times and they've still picked themselves back up yeah. and gone again and wanted to prove people wrong. The trouble with that, though, that I found is that all the players that have kind of made it that I know have said, oh, yeah, I had this determination, this grit, this inner belief. I wouldn't let anyone tell me that I wasn't going to make it. And you think, oh, well, that's great. You've all got that in common. But for every one of those, there's a thousand that also had the same grit, determination, yeah. which you don't hear about. So it is a difficult one. I think if you're getting offered a place at a pro club, you do your research. Yeah. You don't just jump at it. You talk to people at the club. You find out how many kids have come through that academy to make it in their first team. Read your books, search online, and and then make your own decision. And we've got another question coming up, which is a little bit more about pro clubs. It seems to be what everyone's into at the moment. Yeah. And, of course, we've had quite a few come through our academy system, so we get seen to be big advocates of it. But, again, every child is... We've had kids who we've said, I wouldn't sign yet. Yeah because we don't think they're psychologically ready. It happens quite a lot, to be fair. We've had one kid from Pezza Street Soccer who trained with England under 15s recently. And we decided with mum and dad that we wouldn't make a big thing of it on Facebook because it would build him up and up. And if he got released and it didn't work out for him, it would be a bigger drop. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing you need to speak with parents and, and people that know a little bit more than perhaps you do. Wow, that was intense, wasn't it, Jeff? Can we have yeah. an easy one? What have we got next? Donna, why don't you lighten the mood? (laughs) The word burnout or the opinion, my child does too much. What's your opinion on youngsters that may be told this as when I was growing up, I played football almost every night and played three matches, maybe more a week and never suffered from it. Teams only had two substitutes and every player wanted to play every time. What do you think has changed from the 1980s and 90s? I know who sent that one in. That was actually football, Paul, so I can name and shame him. He didn't write it very well, did he? Come on, Paul. Right. Um, Again, don't want to sit on the fence here, but it's all down to individual children again. If I always say do as much as their enjoyment allows. Yeah. So if they're playing every night of the week and they're enjoying it and it's not affecting their schoolwork and they're not tired and they've still got a zest for life, absolutely fine. But you know your child best. So again, there's no blueprint. You can't say you need to train 20 hours a week if you're going to yeah. do this, that and the other. Other sports, if it was, uh, if you're going to be an Olympic swimmer, you're up every morning at four yeah. or five o'clock and you go and do your hours session or your two hours session. And they're doing it, aren't they? And I don't know if it means if Paul's getting a physical burnout or mental burnout or both. Um I, I'm probably the same as Paul. I think with, I, with Paul, it comes to, especially with his age groups, that... He might say recommend from his sort of kickstart group kids to go on and do other things, other football sessions, and say, oh well, we think that's too much for our child. And it's like, well, have a go. Yeah. If it is, you'll soon know your child. Um, but if they're enjoying it, um, they're going to get the most out of it. And yes, yeah, swimmers, ice skaters. I know an ice skating coach, and they're up at before the crack of dawn, and they're you know they're on the ice before school for an hour or two and then after school and sort of no one bats an eyelid with those sort of sports or some of the Olympic sports but football tends to get a little bit of a bad name for over coaching yeah and maybe if it was more individual and tailored to each individual's needs then you wouldn't have this problem I don't know there's a running theme coming here isn't there about tailoring things to individuals definitely but like I say people just want that set formula with everything that's going to work for every child and sorry can't be done. But I'm I'm old school like Paul. I think 
I would have played every day as many hours as I could. And in Brazil, they do, don't they? And I, yeah, and some of the African countries. Brazil, and, you? you know, and, you know, even myself and my friends used to get home from school and used to go out straight away, dump your bag off, grab the ball out in the street, and used to play until it got dark, until it was tea time, etc. I used to get grounded pretty much every night because I was home when it was dark and I'd cycled my bike <laughs> to the playing field. But then the next evening, I'd annoy my mum and dad so much that I'd get out of the house again. So <laughs> yeah. I'd get grounded every night Good and then, then sent out I again. Like it. I like it. So, yeah, the, the short answer is as much as their enjoyment allows, I think. I was asked a question by someone at one of our academy sessions the other night, actually, saying, oh, they're doing something Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, well, are they enjoying it? Are they still smiling? Yeah. Are they, you know, getting up for school and everything's fine? Yeah. Fine. Well, crack on until you see a difference. Yeah, and that's, that's just being a parent, isn't it's it, really? It's common sense, really, isn't it? Like if your child's tired one morning, they go to bed earlier the next night, don't they? Never force them. Yeah. Don't push it. Even if their mate who... You know, they're kind of competing with yeah. on the same mobility level is doing a lot more hours. Don't force them because you could ruin their passion for the game forever. And that is the important thing. Cool. Right. Welcome to the Inner Huddle. How you doing, Jeff? Excellent. Enjoying the show so far? Yeah. Good questions. Yeah, Thanks. Great listeners. questions. It's, it's a bit more challenging than normal where I just sit here and take the mickey out of you for two hours and ramble yeah. about sport. I've actually got to concentrate now, haven't I? It's sounding a bit like a sports show. Doing our best. Doing our best. Um, big shout out to Footy for Girls in Andover. Do some great work growing the female game. Um, I had a text in from Simon Dewhurst, who's massively involved with that. Um, so yeah, big shout out to you. Sponsored one of those one of their teams last year, Jeff. So brilliant. It's, um, it's all good. Keep up the great work there. Right. Question number four of the day. My son is an under ten and always plays up front. He has always scored lots of goals, but should he try playing in other positions? Ah, early positional specialisation. I wrote that down. I made a little note there. Yeah, um, easy answer to that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, try all sorts of different positions. Even goalkeeper, because then you have a, an idea of what it's like to be a goalkeeper facing a striker. Um, and angles, and you're just building up a bigger picture. There is a flip side to that that sticking the ball in the net is the hardest job to do in football. That's why strikers get paid the most money. It's what the game's about. That's why Messi and Ronaldo keep winning winning a Ballon d'Or, isn't it? Yes. So you have to balance it out of being a a better all-round player, especially from a young age, because you might not end up playing in that position. But if that's what you've got a, I was going to say natural aptitude for, but we don't like the word natural, do we? Because when you analyse these things, most goal scorers in youth football have got a goal in their garden and yeah. practice over and over and over again, smashing the ball with the left foot and the right foot and from different angles. So it's not natural at all. What I really don't like is every team that's got a goal scorer, if nan or granddad or dad or someone's given them a pound a goal or a mars bar a goal or something like that and it's well we're going on to different questions here it, it is a different question but i just see it a lot with those if you want to call them natural goal scorers that, that they seem to be the players that get rewarded for the goals they score and then it, i think it makes them more selfish and it is a different question but yeah well avoid it's, that it's one can. of our pet hates isn't yeah. it and while you're on the subject i absolutely hate it don't do it yeah the amount of dads well, actually, it's not just dads, but it tends to be the ones that I notice is dads. Five or a goal or 
pound a goal or we go to the sweet shop on the way home or even marking them out of 10 every week. I remember someone ringing me up and saying, oh, my, my kid was unplayable today. So, all right, okay, yeah, I gave him a 10 out of 10 and it's all so rare, it's unbelievable. So, all right, who did you play? Oh, bottom of the league team, yeah. scored six goals. Oh, brilliant. So what happens next week when he's playing against a much better team and he actually plays much better but he doesn't score and you give him a 9 out of 10, he's going to be very disappointed. But he's actually putting a better performance. Yeah, because yeah. he's comparing himself to your mark. Don't do it. There's yeah. no need. Right, we digressed again a little bit there, didn't we? But it is a pet hate of ours, isn't it? Anything that changes the psychology of your player and how he plays is wrong. Um, Donna. Yes. You're a parent. <clears throat> am I? Yes. Are you still awake in there? <laughs> yeah, I am. Are you sure? Anything to add on any of the things we've talked about? Bribery? It's not bribery, is it? No, it's it's all don't... done with the best intentions. Mm, I think the whole burnout thing okay. um, as well. Um, I think if your child is burning out, I say that with air quotes, um, then... Surely that's down to you and not down to the coaches. Surely you're pushing them too far um, and you're wanting it more than what they are. Exactly. It depends what their their goal is with it. Back to the question. Oh, yeah. With... Try all the positions you can if your coach allows you. Yeah, and, and don't... Which they should be. If you're a coach, don't just play what you think is your best goal scorer up front all the time to help you win a game of football. Yeah. It's irresponsible. Don't pigeonhole players into any positions, really. Yes. And if you're a child, and I saw this the other day, and this person might actually be listening, so I apologise for this, but I saw a Facebook post where my child has scored a certain amount of goals this season. We don't like it, do we, Jeff? Because they're always going to compare themselves to that season. Yeah. And next year, say it's 80 goals they've scored this season. Next year, they're playing in a harder league. It's all got a bit tougher, and you only score 40 goals but you're becoming a much better player you're going to be disappointed yeah one day rules will change and you'll be offsides and yeah it'll, it'll become harder to score that amount of goals but it's really difficult to do if i had a child who's scoring 80 goals i'd probably want to shout about it yeah it's amazing but if then your child you're noticing when he's missing chances or coming up against tough defenders and he hasn't scored that day and he's not happy and he's upset and he's everything's about scoring those goals then it's become a problem it's difficult it's very in-depth psychological stuff but can have a massive impact on their development as they get older. Yeah, doesn't have to always work that way, but it can. So just be aware of the pitfalls. Right, wow. Getting even more intense, Jeffrey. That was quite a simple question, really. It was a yes or no answer, wasn't it? How did we get onto all of those topics? Onto bribery. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've got no idea. Anyway, right, well, please let this be an easy one. What's the next one? Number, Shall I read this one? Number five, yeah. Okay. Oh, we're back to academies again. Right. At what age should a child consider an academy? And I know who this is coming from. Um, it's the parent of one of the um, lads, one of our original players, Jeffrey, from Pezza Street Soccer, um, who signed for Bournemouth as an under nine. And they said that only three of those original players that signed on at the same time as him at under nines are left. And he is now an under 13 so that's under 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s. So he's in his fifth season there and only three remain. Hmm. It's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think it's the way it's worded, what age should a child consider an academy? Well, it's only when you get offered the opportunity for a start, yeah. isn't it? Not every child gets to consider it, do they? Because they don't get the opportunity. But... For some, under 9s is going to be too soon. For some, absolutely perfect environment for them. And again, it's going back to individual child's needs and not... 
not just physically and how they're coping in games, but emotionally and psychologically and things like their schoolwork and how they're going to cope with the travel um, and review process and being going from an environment where they might be the best player at grassroots to being not the best player. How are they going to cope with that? Maybe as a parent, if you are offered it under nines for your child, maybe don't just think, yes, this is their one and only chance. They're not going to get another one. We've got to do it now or it's never. Yeah. Because some some coaches will say, oh, they're not ready yet and, and we'll have the best interest of that individual player at heart. Other coaches might be thinking, oh, if I lose my best player, I'm not going to win next week and I'm not going to win the cup like I did last season. Yeah. And then people are going to think my coaching's not as good because... We're not winning as many trophies as we did yeah. the season before. And you have an attachment to those players. Yeah. That's... I've not wanted players to go to pro clubs to lose them because I'm attached to them and their family and yeah. et cetera. But and you have to put all that to one side. Yeah, and you've then got to make the decision that is absolutely right for the child and not yeah. for the club or for, you know, whether it's the grassroots club or the academy, whichever it is. It's got to be just the right decision for the child, which isn't an easy decision to make no. every um, time. Unfortunately, I've seen it a lot where people have run me up and I've advised them not to do it. Mm. Um, surprises people because they think it's good for, for me and my soccer school and things to have these kids sign in and we make a big thing of it. But there's been plenty that we've advised not to. Unfortunately, a lot of those don't listen and they just go and do it anyway and they say, oh, because it's an opportunity, he might never get it again. And obviously, if he's and good it, enough, he's going to get it. And yeah. when he gets it again, you want him to be ready mentally. It's It's difficult. And then you've got... You've advised one person not to do it and you've advised yeah, somebody else to do it and maybe a bit of jealousy and well, why. But Had that very recently, haven't we, Jeff? It's, it's about whether you're ready or not. And it's about the individual child again. Yeah. And it might be perfect for one child, but the other child, you think, especially with six-week trials, we talked about to a parent last night, you know, is your child emotionally ready to go on a six-week trial to a professional club mm. where it's going to be tough? You've got six weeks to prove yourself, so you're already under pressure. Yeah. You're going to be going from grassroots football, where you're very good, to playing against big inner city lads from your Arsenals, your Fulhams and whatever teams it might be. Um, you've also got six weeks to win over your peers in the team and get them yeah. to pass you the ball because you're coming in to take their place. Yeah. So you're an outsider. It is tough. It, it, I know Saints are doing a lot of stuff to help these kids that are coming in on six-week trials. It, it comes back to that four-corner model again. So you could be technically ready, you could be physically ready, um, you could be socially ready, but if you're not psychologically ready, if you're a 10 out of 10 on three and a, and a four out of 10 on the other one, then you're not ready. You've got to get yourself nines out yeah. of tens on all of them, really, haven't you? And the trouble is, if you rush it, then you could ruin it all. Yeah. I mean, emotionally and physically. Each corner affects the next corner and of that four-corner model, doesn't it? So. Yeah, so it can all fall down like a pack of cards. So, But there have been occasions when I've advised probably not ready and they've gone on and, and actually proved me wrong. Yeah. It's not an exact science with any of it. You can only give your opinion um, based on your experiences of doing it for a long time. Um, the flip side of that, would those three children be there today if they hadn't have attended you know, from a young age. So, Would they be able to go in and, and take somebody else's place, place in that now. academy like the other yeah. 10 or so have done for their mates? So if you went and interviewed the three original ones that are there, they'd say, it's the best thing we ever did. We've been yeah. here five seasons. It's brilliant. They're much better players. They've got loads of friends, blah, blah, blah. Then you go and interview someone who's been released from that system. It's the worst thing they ever did. So you can get very mixed opinions on it. 
again, do your research and do what's best for your child, not yourself, not your coach, but your individual child and, and get advice on it. There are people out there to help, including the club, if they're a good club. Wow. A lot of academy stuff today, Jeffrey. Yep. Right. Oh, what have we got coming up next, Jeffrey? Ah, we could quickly do this one. You can read this one out, bud. All right, we know who this is from, don't yes, we? Yes, we know this one. This is from our good friend Danny Harrison. I hope you're listening. What a legend. Um, I would like to do a goalkeeper coaching course, but struggle with my reading and writing. Would I still be able to do the course? Now, this came in during our last In Huddle show, our yeah. first one, didn't it? Um, so I have a friend at the Wilts FA who I spoke to, and he got back to me with this. He said, there are no issues with the candidate who struggles to read and write. As long as we are aware of this, we can ensure adequate support is in place. And bless him, he's also sent through um, the structure um, of the uh, Wilts courses, level one, level two, and the UEFA B. And he has um, also sent through when the next course is um, in August and how much it costs and all the information I've got on the sheet, which I've printed out. And I will get to you, Danny. Absolutely no bother. Okay. And I, I thought about this and Danny at the weekend, he he saw one of our goals needed to fix in. He went into Eggie's van, nicked a spanner, fixed the goal, put it up, Borrowed sorted it, <laughs> gave it back to Eggie after he nicked <laughs> it. Um, so Danny's the type of person that will do anything for anyone. And I struggle to read and write Danny and I've done as many courses as most people out there. You are Mr. FA um, Qualification. Oh. What you've got to do is you've got to ask for help sometimes as well. Yeah. Because I couldn't have done all the courses I've done without other people helping me along the way. So you do things for other people. I'm sure other people will be happy to help you out, mate. You'll be surprised in life Yeah. how much you can do if you just ask for a bit of help. Yep. Good. Well, that was nice and easy, wasn't it? Hope that answers your question thoroughly, Danny. And I'll come you? and do the goalkeeper courses. Yeah, because it's about the only thing you haven't done, Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> <Isn't> <laughs> it? yeah pretty much, yeah. How many qualifications do you have now, Jeff? I don't it's know. unbelievable. You've got loads. There's different pathways, Donna, up the sort of coaching ladder. Oh. Um, and he went up one side of the ladder and then he's gone up and done all the other ones, which is which is brilliant. And your favourites were the age-appropriate courses, is that the, right? The first youth-appropriate, yeah, because that was all about the individual child that we've yeah. been talking about and the, the four corners. and. Unfortunately, not quite as fashionable as your... Level one, level two, level three, UA for B, no, which most people want to go up. But if I, you're coaching children, the age-appropriate ones, I think, are ideal. I, th- I think they're actually going to do away with the two separate pathways. And they've merged them into one now. So. The Inner Huddle, a youth football development podcast for parents, coaches and managers of young aspiring footballers. From Peza Street Soccer.